time for Type 40, your Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, designated driver and mouth runner sense maker. <laughs> God, that's, that's a big claim, isn't it, with this sense sense maker aboard this thing. And uh, whether you're new to the show or a frequent flyer, I can, I can guarantee you sparkling, crackling conversation on our free speaking big thinking show for everyone whatever decade or century you started watching reading or listening along to those ongoing adventures of our hero doctor who we talk about it all on this show all opinions are valid and uh, we may even throw in a few laughs along the way who knows so come and step into our tardis and share this journey together here with us on type 40 Yes, and uh, here we are for another monumental edition of the show. And who better to accompany me than the guy who started it all with me way back when, over 100 episodes ago. It's going to reconnect with him again. It's the culture clashing, the true believing, Mr. Kyle Wagner. So I have a question on this podcast. Here we go. Is what, is what, <laughs> is, is what is new old again or is what is old new again? I'm confused because uh. what, what, what? Can we not start with one of the smaller questions? <laughs> don't ask me what was going on with this. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I, but, but no, I'm excited. It's a new era. It's the close of one and the start it's of weird, a new. And I, I think it's it's more than time. And I think it's going to be a very interesting time for Doctor Who. But I think it's one that's going to be filled with a lot of positivity, which is something I know the Whoverse desperately needs these days. Yeah, there was a moment there, wasn't there, which I'm sure we'll get into on the show, where the, the time zones sort of seem to fuse. And then all of a sudden, sort of one one state of affairs quickly became another. Little bits are already starting to filter down, you know, about what's to come in the relatively near future and in the quite distant future. So over the next 12 to 18 months and between us, you know, we try and be all over it it's next to impossible because there's so much of it that comes at us from different places on social media on legacy media and from new media media and between us we like to you know we try and get get a grasp of it all but we can't possibly do it alone i think we we need it's only right that we have with us she's been with us throughout yeah from series 13 right the way through those two terrible specials earlier in the year it's only right that we wrangle her back and demand that she tries to help us through, guide us through the very last Jodie Whittaker special. Welcome back, Charlotte Shields. I, I'm not going to lie. I've had friends who watched it afterwards say, what did that mean? What what happened there? So I'm, I'm used to helping people understand what on earth happened in that episode. Remember, you yes. charge per information request. I should, shouldn't I? But there is a feeling of, of it gradually sort of being cleansed by it all, I think. And I think whatever we felt about the special, I can't wait to hear what, what you've got to say in particular, Carl, because I know nothing about what you've got to say. And we do have a fourth voice, I'm happy to say, or a fourth mind. That's probably more apt because because this guy, he is uh, no stranger to the uh, conundrums of continuity. And he's the the showrunner, I suppose you could say, of a whole line of, of audio Doctor Who stories, unofficial Doctor Who stories that have this sort of epic feel, really. And the, the beauty of it is they actually make sense, too. <laughs> he was also the co-writer the co 
of the of the very well received and much loved Doctor Who book Times champion from I think that was from about uh, 10, 15 years ago, something like that, that he wrote, co-wrote with Craig Hinton, the late Craig Hinton. So I'm delighted to w- welcome back to Type 40, Chris McEwen from Black Glove Studio. And I have to say, I will say one little preview of what I'm thinking about this story. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if he read Times champion stole the climax. <laughs> Well, I, I, I was going to say, Chris, I, I understand Mr. Chibnall is looking for a job. Do you have any open positions over at Black Club? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a, a very strict high standards hiring process. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that, Chris, because even if, he, I, even if he hasn't directly lifted from Times Champion, yes. I'd find it difficult to believe because he seems to have lifted from absolutely everything else in this 90 minutes. But there's a fine line between homages and pastiches and just playing nick in something isn't that you know because you need it to fuel your story and between us i'm hoping that in between having a few giggles <laughs> a few giggles at the power of the doctor we can try and sort of track some of these the things that registered with us the things that sat well because this wasn't for a change this wasn't an absolute disaster so the things that sat well and and the things that didn't and and that which sort of inspires some hope with us for the future going forward. In the meantime, I've got to remind you that if you'd like to do some real-time travelling of your own, each and every edition of this show, past, present or future, is just to tap or two away on the device of your choice if you know where to look. There's well of over 100 now. <laughs> Great conversations, reviews, previews, interviews, geek outs and deep dives with all our regulars and some pretty awesome guests. In fact, we know there's something for every fan at type40.podbean.com and there'll be more about all of that a little later on as well as a couple of minutes where as always we will make contact with the matrix of all knowledge that we call the fandom podcast network for a word about all the other cult conversations going on across the multitude multitude of shows over there okay now on to our main attraction i I think our, our final encounter with the rainbow-clad 13th Doctor and her companion, Yas. But yeah, once again, here we are. Uh, Time is running out for another Time Lord. And even if it's not guaranteed to make you you weep, I'm thinking it'll make you pop your cork (laughs) with excitement about what could possibly come and the renewal of Doctor. We're going to find out what the panel makes of the centenary special right now. Yes, so together, as uh, as an audience, as a fandom, we have uh, we've made it through, haven't we? Another Doctor Who era. Depending on when you found this show or when it found you, depends on how many of them you've you've rode out, doesn't it? I think lots of us have been in, particularly now that the new series of Doctor Who has has been back for the best part of two decades. Still can't quite believe that. Lots of us have ridden out a lot of them and seen a lot of Doctors come and go. And it's true that some of us do take our leave of the series you know sometimes for for reasons that it's just not sitting well with us at that precise moment sometimes it can be that real life gets in the way kyle for people who have a real life can you imagine that well, <laughs> well, what's that? i have can no get idea what way. you're talking about <laughs> you know so sometimes people can miss in two or three seasons you know, not necessarily because they're out of step with the show but simply because they're it's out of step with them and their own lives but everything what goes around sort of comes around really with doctor who so I, I'm not quite as moved by these affairs as once I was. I think in, in this day and age, in the 21st century, they tend to sort of jam it full with all sorts of other things because they, I think whoever's making it at any, at any given point, 
be that Stephen Moffat, Russell T Davies, or indeed Chris Chibnall, I won't um, exclude him from this. They realise that this is a massive popular culture event. This time it all ends with The Power of the Doctor by Chris Chibnall. And this was the general synopsis. It says, who is attacking a speeding bullet train on the edge of a distant galaxy? Why are seismologists going missing from 21st century Earth? Who is defacing some of history's most iconic paintings? Why is a Dalek trying to make contact with the Doctor? And just what does the mesmeric Rasputin have over Tsar Nicholas in 1916 Russia? The Doctor faces multiple threats and a battle to the death. This was originally broadcast on Sunday the 23rd of October 2022 and filmed throughout September and October of 2021. So a year before we actually got to see it. It was directed by Jamie Magnus Stone, who's been on the show since the beginning of Series 12, I think, Charlotte. He started with Spyfall, didn't he, Jamie? Yes, he didn't start with Jodie Zero. He was like a bit of a newer addition to it. I know that you really rate this guy too, don't you? But in my view, this is, this is the director that's given a much-needed sense of personality and flavour to an era which has really struggled to hit any, any real beats and to and to um and to grow and to flourish. Yeah, because when when you've got a dialogue that isn't working that well, when you've got actors not working that well, you need something to create emotion and mood and feeling. And he's been the one source to do that in a lot of stories where everything else hasn't. So you really notice his skill. But he's not. But he is skilled. It's not just that. But. It's really shown, I think, because of the lack of it around him. It's it's another monumental story, Kyle. You know, we started this journey back with Jodie Whittaker on episode nine of Type 40 back in 2018. And we talked about the woman who fell to earth. Here we are at the end of the era. How did this... How did this make you feel? Because obviously you're, you're sitting down to watch this. You're staring down the barrel of 90 minutes of, of Chris Chibnall written content. You're seeing a, a synopsis that doesn't really tell you a lot. We knew very little going into this who was in the cast. So were you? was it a case of you couldn't wait to see this or more a case that you couldn't wait to get it over and done with? I think for me, this was a combination of a little of both because anytime there's a regeneration of the Doctor, there's always an excitement of how are they going to get there what what what's going to be new? what's coming that's going to be new on the flip side because of what the chris chibnall air has been there was also this thing of okay thank goodness it's over it's time to move move on and move forward and i got i got i'm gonna say right now this episode was so representative of the good and bad of the chris chibnall air because <laughs> It reflected so many things. There was there's some moments and there's things in this that were very good or some very good ideas that maybe weren't fully yeah. fleshed out. And then there was just stuff that you're like, I am completely lost. What the hell is going on here? And then there's just some moments that are just like, Ugh. and that I mean that sums up the chip. I mean that's the Chibnall air, and that's been the Chibnall thirteenth Doctor air from the beginning. And what makes it what, what what I find so interesting, and I think it's more so with this doctor than any doctor who changed. I feel like there was a lot of genuine excitement when Jody first was announced as a doctor for some yeah. people, because it was, they thought there was a, this was a chance to bring in a whole different group of people into doctor who some more exposure. A lot of people love Jody. And I, I, I even through all this experience, I want to see Jody get a role that is more suited for her. So that, but I've never seen it quite so 
too, where you've had a doctor regeneration that everybody was so excited about too. And you know, usually people are like, you're excited a new doctor's coming in, but there's but there's a depression of the doctor going out or a sense of loss. And I just, you know, and there were Jody fans out there who did feel that way. I'm not going to take that away from them. Yeah, all but six think, of them were gutted. <laughs> I think there was just a general thing, whether it was a whether because of Jody or Chibnall or whatever, just like. Thank goodness this era is ending, and I think this is probably going to go down as one of the most controversial eras of doc of the Doctor ever. <laughs> oh, it's easily. I mean, I, I know somebody said to me, "Oh, the most divisive era of Doctor Who is always the current one," and I see what they're saying because as as a series moves on, as an intellectual property grows, it's bound to it's bound to rattle some people's chains and, and ruffle feathers and things like that. But in the case of this, obviously, it was a major it was a major. Uh, ideological shift and a a breaking of the relationship between the program maker and the audience too it was almost like a battle cry and and i think that we as viewers we can't help but receive that in uh, in a negative way i think if you've been investing in something for a long time and you're kind of you're being softly you're at the very least being um poked fun at and in some cases vilified it's bound to get get people off off on the wrong foot the series initially seemed to try to mark itself out stylistically quite different. I think the irony of it is we come here to the conclusion, you know, this is, it's just lasted these 30 episodes, but here at the very end, I think we see the series reaching back to actual Doctor Who touchstones. And I'm not just talking about old faces either and, and title conventions and those norms. I'm thinking that the flavor of the actual show itself uh, Sagan Akinola, this is his, his final episode providing the inst the instrumental music for the show, Chris. And, you know, I've found some of his music I really liked at the start, but after a while it sort of drifted into a total dirge to, to the point where it was disconnected almost from entirely entirely what was on screen. Here, I did feel like the music and the pictures, the direction of J uh, Jamie Magnus Stone, that that was all working together. And we, we're at least looking at a, at a quality production whereby people were actually talking to one another. But how did you feel about this? Have you Had you stayed with the show right the way through to now? Uh, and uh, what did you think about this this 90-minute special? Uh, when people ask me on occasion, which is my favorite doctor, I have always stated that I have no favorite doctor. I love them all equally. When Jodie Whittaker's era started... I wanted to feel the same, but as it got, as it progressed, and I, I, it expressed the, the situation that you've described, I, I amended my answer and said, well, I have no favorite doctor, but I have a least favorite doctor. Sadly, this episode has not changed my opinion. What I felt about the episode in brief was empty. Um, it was empty because it almost feels like it really doesn't matter. The doctor is leaving. Uh, she's... We, have a, we already know who's coming. The music, like you said, didn't stir me. It never has in this era because it essentially been like one note, literally sometimes. It was like whale music before, wasn't it? And this did at least feel kind of kind of cinematic, like I, I felt. It felt, if it did, then it's, it's maybe it's like you're going to a drive-in theater or something. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was cinematic perhaps, but it, it doesn't make you feel like the screen is getting any bigger for you. It uh, it was simply it was largely just you know events happening, and I appreciated it. I certainly appreciated 
Sophie Aldrin and, and uh, Janet Fielding back. I think Janet Fielding did a very good job. I think Sophie Aldrin was probably, was probably the best return appearance that I have seen since Nicholas Courtney came back as the Brigadier in Enemy of the Bane. The, 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 the role given, was given, given that they clearly made some very obvious visual attempts to, to make it very clear they wanted us back, mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were being encouraged back to this show that you were that you were being entertained and that it was coming from a good place? Uh, you know, so you so so I understand your question. Do you feel as if it's trying to invite me back to keep me? Because I have stuck with the Jodie Whittaker era, of course, throughout her 30, 31 episodes, actually. But, but uh, are you saying, oh, I want to see what happens next? This is an excellent. It, this is really more cool. more so that it, that it wanted it wanted to welcome you back into into the house, into into the doc, to the Doctor Who party, really. You know, well, it didn't feel like there was a party happening in the first place, though. I mean, it, it, in this episode, I mean, it, 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 the story is hanging on incredible coincidences that aren't even even set up. Graham just happens to be at the volcano. Dan just happens to decide to leave at the end, acting like a little bit like, like he was point his 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 role in the story was perfunctory at best. So it almost felt as if the party was already over, and people were being just quietly quietly deciding to leave. And I think it's fair to say, Chris, that when you when you think back, I mean, you don't even have to. Sometimes after you've watched a movie or a or a TV show, you know, you think. And over the couple of hours afterwards, you think, "Oh, that didn't really make sense. Oh, I wonder why that happened." I think with this, it's happening actually as you're as you're watching it. And I, I think you described. We spoke about this a little the other day, Charlotte. Things happen because because the the script, the show needs them to happen rather than they they feel like a real chain of events. Yeah, n- nothing flows nicely in a script from this era. It because obviously all scripts have their function bits and have the bits that have to be there for I want this to happen next that's part of the script but all the other eras could disguise that almost and you almost got so caught up in the story or the characters you forgot yeah this is a script but this one I really felt and Chris highlighted two brilliant examples of um, John Bishop Dan who's been on so many dangerous adventures up to this point who's had his life threatened so many times he faced a Dalek in Eve of the Daleks. He got captured by pirates last special. But suddenly now, it's too much for him. Like, Chris can't give motivation well, so he just makes things happen. And I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to... I'm not going to like. I laughed out loud when Graham just appeared. Because I was just like, you've not even tried with him to give a reason. Like you he try appears just as suddenly as as Dan leaves, doesn't he? And this keeps happening throughout the throughout the piece. Exit stage right, enter stage left. And Vinda, the character from Flux, just drops out of the sky. This is, in some respects, this is not that much smoother than Flux, is it, Kyle? What what do you think about this? Okay, so here's a, there's a few things here that I, I'm finding absolutely hilarious with this as I'm watching this particular particular episode first and foremost we're talking about the man who basically attempted to completely rewrite doctor who history and now is incorporating as much doctor who history as he can in his final episode (laughs) so so there's that right there and i'm like really so but when you talk about the dan thing which let's start with dan john john bishop i can roll with that it makes sense he i mean he literally gets his helmet cracked it's probably the closest he's come to death since joining the fam 
quote unquote. And I think too, he was also kind of just in this stage where it's like, you know, even at the end of Sea De- the Sea Devil special, he when he's reaching out to his old girlfriend and reconnecting, I think that felt like a little natural progression. Him leaving made sense. We've seen companions do that. Granted, ten minutes into the episode, he should have got a chance to ride things through and then made that decision at the end of the episode. But I get it. I'm just gonna pop in and out of this podcast as I feel like, because that's apparently what how they write Graham now. He just appears whenever he, <laughs> wherever he's needed. I thought I thought the introduction of some of the uh, older companions was actually very well done. And of course, I know this has been a, popped up on Twitter and Facebook how we might need a spinoff show of old companions that are coming out of this. That would be well, do you most think epic. That- do you think that because in the past we've spoken about how Chris Chibnall cannot build his own characters, and is this and you know, we see them come and go and and even Yas who's been there consistently throughout, she's not any more developed particularly in this. So with this special with the power of the Doctor, when he's reaching back to the past, the characters that other people built before him, other writers, other producers, other showrunners, in effect, and expanded media has has grown them on the in the time in between is this him effectively giving up and thinking you know look i'll I'll reach for those characters because they're the ones that are going to speak to people they're they're recognizable the the actors who are playing them are already connected with them that i'll rely on that latent connection that they already have with their characters and hopefully that will transmit to the audience kyle so you just hit the nail on the head for me dan when you said Chris Chibnall cannot build his own characters. I'm going to go right to the doctor. I'm going to write to Jody. Jody Whitaker never got to be the, a doctor because Chris Chibnall had no idea how to build a doctor. And so she had no direction. And it just, I think, I think it goes back to something I've felt for a long time with this. Jody Whitaker was hired coming off of a popularity of Attack the Block in the United States. And her popularity in Broadchurch, plus her connection with Chris Chibnall. Chris Chibnall brought Jodie Whittaker in because he can puppet her. And what you saw, and even that brief image moment where we see all the other old doctors and their confidence in the doctors they have, and we still see Jodie struggling to find her own doctor, Chris Chibnall cannot build a companion. The only reason why Graham was so successful is because the actor is just absolutely brilliant. Same thing with Dan. John Bishop John Bishop created Dan. There was no Chibnall in there. John Bishop made yes. Dan at least watchable. He came. So, he brought that persona, his own his own being, his own energy, just as Bradley Walsh had before. And and so the problem is this, is, is that I will always say for this era, Chibnall was the majority of the problem. Jody's case is I like Jody. She sandaled some things poorly. I'm, I'm not going to even argue that point. But Jody is not a good enough actress to build her own character. She needs direction, she needs proper writing, and she never got that with this doctor. So I think I think this episode, again, I go back to this episode just shows all the problems wrapped up in once. It makes no sense. Things are coming out of left field from all over the place. They're just throwing characters around. The, the reason people watched this episode was they got the throwbacks that they wanted from Classic Who and for the regeneration. And that was it. The, the, the story had no matter to people at all. They rode the ride to see the familiar faces, to see the end of the Chimnall and Jody air, and to see the return of David Tennant. 
and it was it See, was I... all so loud and they did and and chris chibnall did incorporate things which had kind of marked his era out as i won't say unique but it certainly marked his era out a shad the lone side man being one of the very few examples of a character that people will point out and at least say i remember that guy but there's been so little else that reaching for for people like ace and tegan and i can't, i'm not going to be churlish about that i love janet fielding i love sophie aldred i love ace and i love tegan it it was guaranteed to get to get my attention right away but in many ways charlotte i do feel that this was an exercise in distraction and that he was using that emotional response from such as myself and the the loyalty to the fan base and the characters for for those two ladies in particular to to carry his really uh, as thin as ever story through that additional runtime yeah and the scenes which were the best i would say writing and performance was by far sophie having that moment with her doctor and to get that closure and it was really well done with her and sylvester when he sort of says oh i, I, I sort of let you go because i knew you were ready that was quite a lovely little scene Proper and then with character T beats character development yeah. and then with tegan when she sort of said to davidson her doctor why did you leave me and he was like oh brave heart like you didn't need me and i was almost amazed by those two scenes because i was like that's a doctor and companion relationship even if it's only a tiny like glimmer so i don't know what chris has been doing because in those scenes he seemed to actually understand what a doctor and companion are like and how important that relationship is and sort of they, what impressed me also with the classic doctors when when we saw obviously the the, when they were all like in whatever that zone was when they were flipping in between the faces even for that little glimpse when we got McGann for a couple of minutes we got um, the first Doctor for a couple of minutes even then they felt like they're Doctors so I'm that was even more confusing when I was like you've written all the classic Doctors quite well but Jodie you've, you've done this horrible job of doing her Doctor so that just almost confused me a bit, if I'm he, being he honest. Can write, I think he can write them reasonably well because he grew up watching them and, and they still they exist in his head. It's a character that he hasn't built. It's been built for him. And obviously this man, he has been working in television for, for decades. He is a writer. So maybe that's, that's all he can really do, work on characters built by other people. I mean, I, I noticed, Kyle, and we've spoken about this several times throughout, not just Flux, but Series 12 in particular, and there was a little of this in Series 11, how at every uh, every junction that he gets, Chris Chibnall in his script will shunt the Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, not just away from her companions, but sometimes away from any human contact at all. So she's locked in some in some sort of void somewhere, or talking to a bunch of complete strangers, or roaming around in the middle of nowhere with nobody to to talk to. Here, <laughs> here he banishes her and brings in a succession of other actors and characters to actually lead the show bit by bit by bit including those past doctors so we're supposed to believe that that um ace and tegan uh, can see that they they're talking to the current doctor but they're seeing the doctor from their past through some sort of MacGuffin. it's never really explained it's never clarified but realistically if he got any faith in jodie whittaker as an actress i i don't believe that that 
that's yeah that's just there for the fans but he needn't have hired sylvester and peter for those scenes if if he'd have got the faith in his actress to work those moments that should have been jody opposite sophie selling us on the fact they were the same person no uh, here's what i think and i'm i, I want to say this i, I want to get see what chris thinks on this too because my feeling is this one the old doctors were mandated by bbc and i think for ratings purposes and i also think and i would not be surprised if somewhere down the road we find out that at some point russell t davies got his hands on this script because there were some elements of this that felt from russell from russell on, on this script that felt like russell moments to me more than they did chimnall mo- Chim- chimnall writing just how like bringing people together using those classic things because this is things chimnall did not do and I just feel no. like that there's there's some mandated outside influence here, Dan. I think he just I think he just lifted. I think he just lifted stuff that both both Russell and Stephen had, had already done successfully. Uh, he he could see the framework of that, the way that writers can. What, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, I agree with I agree with you, Kyle. Um, well, we, at this time we we can't say exactly, and we may never know if I were if I am. Going off of what I have heard from some of my friends, and this is all rumor, <laughs> but going off of what I've heard from my friends, I think you've all heard the same rumors that it's very possible that Chris Chibnall was uh, fired during series 12. Uh, and then the back, because of the reaction once the BBC saw what he was bringing to them, um, and he hadn't brought to them great, explosive, wonderful stuff during series 11. Um, it almost feels as if this era has been, um, um, how do we say this? It feels like this era has been unwelcome in its own time. And for about at least half of its era, probably more. So that by the time you get to series 13, which from what I understand was reduced by the BBC, even before COVID came along because they had to complete Chimnall's contract. That's right. It sounds from what, from what I have heard that Certainly by the time of the writing of Power of the Doctor, that Chris Chipnall has been pretty much pushed out. And so when you have a situation where your head writer, the man who should be running the show, who should be the, the, the captain of your ship, is, is gone, um, not by his, own, by his own desire, like, oh, I can't do this, but you're, you're no longer welcome. I can't imagine that the person writing the script has his heart in it. I can't imagine that the person writing the script is excited for what comes next because he's not he's probably even going to be allowed to, any, to see the next episodes. Um, it's a little bit like, um, although it's, it's I, I really loathe to make this comparison, it's a little bit like the, the history of Orson Welles in, in cinema. Orson Welles famously was you could argue a great genius and did a lot of wonderful things but he was always being cut out of his own films he was always being shut out of his own story and i think that for much better reasons this is what has happened to chris chibnall he's been cut out of his own story cut out um uh, you talked about a party right uh it's a party in his honor and he was disinvited you just can't come and so i i can't i i imagine i'm sure that there are a lot of other people's fingerprints on this story um the well, the script, I, we can't speak for the script, obviously, Russell T. Davis, he would have been just entering the frame at around the time that the, the script was delivered. This was an extra commission 
from from Charlotte Moore well after the fact. So initially there was there was the uh, the block of we believe ten that was whittled down to to eight. Legend of the Sea Devils and Eve of the Daleks. Eve of the Daleks was written like in in five days or something like that. I think it, I think Legends of the Sea Devils was originally going to be the the conclusion to the whole era, uh, and this was just something that he seemed to have to come up with on to order really because the bbc needed it for the for the centenary they needed something something of a marker and as an as i understand it this was always a sort of a separate a separate thing a separate entity uh, it's it's fallen to the uh, the past showrunners to actually promote this for chris chibnall because i mean allegedly there is a lot of acrimony there i think if you look at chris chibnall the premiere you can see he's not comfortable there the things that he's, he's done very little promotion since it's fallen to russell t davis who said this it's like a 10-year-old's fantasy version of Doctor Who, but with muscle and punch and light and colour. That was Russell bigging up this special just a short time ago. I think it was about four or five months ago, something like that. And Stephen Moffat has also been very supportive of it too, trying to trying to polish that turd. And whilst Chris Chibnall himself, he shows his face when he absolutely has to. I mean, I'm, I look at the the story itself and what's on screen and what i see kyle is quite a thin quite a familiar story that is just told at breakneck speed uh, intercut with lots of other stuff to distract you from the main story either because they haven't got enough confidence in it or just to pad out the runtime that just makes a lot of noise doesn't really stylistically it's all over the place i've likened this i think it was on our, our legend of the sea level show i said that chris chibnall his relationship to Doctor Who, he views it similarly to the old Adam West Batman show. And I, I got that even more with this. I don't know if it was if it was deliberately camp and and nonsensical. And even uh I don't want to say meta, because I think that makes it makes it to be more but it was more I think this was more pantomime than Doctor Who has ever been. Ever. So point uh, going with Chris what he says about Chibnall, when I think about it now, there is some, there's a feeling of a bit of a ring of truth to this that Chibnall may have been credited for it, but he didn't really write a lot of this. And what, cause, because I, I think about a couple of aspects in this, the story is so all over the map. It, I'm gonna be honest with you, to me, it felt like the Star Wars sequels because it felt like you, you yeah. do, you had different creators and the right hand wasn't talking to the left hand. And then they just brought all these pieces together and kind of puzzled them in. Also, the aspect of the fact that Chibnall's big thing was time of the was the Joe Martin everything the timeless children that was going to be his big thing, and that has just been so thrown out with uh, to the wayside. Yes, you get the Joe Martin appearance, which I think they did try to do a little, which makes sense. They try to do a couple little things to the Chibnall air to people make a, make it feel like it co is coming from Chibnall. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's a legitimate question. Dude. I mean, Joe Martin's fugitive doctor. We're supposed to believe, and this character was was, li was literally farted into existence over over a lunch time when yeah, wait, he, when Vinay Patel and Chris Chibnall were working on Fugitive of the Jadoon. They put no thought into it whatsoever. I don't know if they realised it was gonna it was going to be as popular as it was, or that this actress would 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 grow a little bit of a fan base. But it's reduced in this to little more than a meme, and I do feel that that now and certainly as time goes on that this doctor will be reduced to effectively a meme which is terribly unfair on joe martin and uh, all joking apart un unfair on the people who 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 were whose imaginations were sparked by that character kyle 
Because because in, in one in one in one episode she brought more fascination and interest as the doctor than Jodie Whittaker did her entire run as the doctor. Um but the but the the other aspect the fact that the timeless children was just basically forgot about. I was actually shocked to see Sasha back as the master. And that again hit that storyline made absolutely no sense. There's two masters in different time zones. Uh, the schemes with paintings that don't actually go yeah. anywhere. That mean that mean nothing. They're just visual. They're just visual gags. They're they're, they're a con it's a confection. Nothing more. When you get to the heart of the story, Charlotte, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but <laughs> I mean, at first I was delighted to see Jodie Whittaker forced into this booth uh, with the master in an in an opposing booth uh, for this for this big body swap to take place, and and that was the crux of the story, really, wasn't it? That the, the master wanted to take over the doctor's body so that uh, so that they will live and she will die which is the exact plot of the tv movie really when you boil it down so chris has got characters built by by other people that came before he's got a plot that matthew jacobs created back in 1995 stroke 96 for the tv movie everything else going on around it is just noise and light and color that russell describes there it's almost like a conjuring trick, really. Is if if I make if I make a lot of noise and bang enough doors, will, will people will, will it still be ringing in people's ears by the time they realise that I've already gone? Just as Chris said. Yeah, no, this really rang to me. Of originally, I think this would have been the conclusion of the whole timeless child of Joe Martin, but I think I think BBC told him no. It's not gone down no, I, well. I believe the that all that was base... stuffed out well before this was written. I, I don't think that, that was ever in the equation for this because the entire thing is so detached from it. But, well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking more when Chris had a... T probably when he first started to do any sort of thought towards this whole storyline. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was probably... So, it, it, so we had to dash then and be like, okay, so I can't do what I wanted to, so I'll grab this, I'll grab this, I'll grab this. And like you said, the master... Even the master, which should have been the centre point story-wise, didn't really become centre point story-wise. He sort of took over a big part of the middle bit, and then he disappeared off screen for a little, for like the end bit, and yeah. then came back near the end because he had to be the one to make a regenerate. But I've got to say though, I've been very harsh on Sasha because I liked him in his first episode, and then I really didn't like what he was doing or he, I don't know if he was being told to act a certain way or he just naturally was acting this sort of crazy everywhere sort of silly voices almost like a child who had too many sweets that's how I honestly would describe yeah. him but in this episode he so turned he, he it was like a 360 for me he completely toned it down he was a lot more sort of quiet and menacing he was a lot more clever, as I think he's ever been shown, really. And it worked. And I'm just thinking, why couldn't Sasha be like this for the majority of his run? Well, why are we getting being, this now? He was back to being the uh, the quieter, the contained character that we saw in Spy 4 Part 1. Sasha Dewan, in my view, Kyle, is a fantastic actor. Oh, absolutely. And I'd have loved to have seen him play the Doctor. Uh, having him as, as the master has been the next best thing. I thought if it wasn't for him, 
that would have been so so little on screen. I think that Sasha Dewan and Sophie Aldred were what made this for me, but particularly him, because he was playing. He played several different versions of the same character. He had to show the master in various in various states, because in various psychological states. What, what do you think? I mean, because obviously the Daleks and the Cybermen they might as well not be here realistically. It's just it's just window dressing. Without Sasha, this episode wouldn't have worked at all, would it? No, and uh, Sasha uh, Sasha is probably one of the few high points of this era. And address what Charlotte says. It goes back to what I said. I think there. The craziness of the of the master in the later episodes after his first appearance—that's Chibnall. That's Chib- your showrunner and your your creators directing these actors instead of letting these actors do what they do best. And I think that's I think that's another thing with the uh, that's going to come across with the Chibnall era is that we're going to find out that these actors weren't allowed to have as much input as they as previous actors had with Moffat and with Russell to help build and develop these characters. And I think, I think, but I think Sasha Darwin, he is phenomenal. I, I love him. And I think he was, I think he next to John Sim, he might be my favorite iteration of the master. When I look back now as a recording and so little of it has really stuck with me. There are certain moments which I did relish. <laughs> we'll come to those in a little while. But the thing that actually did stick in my head, I, I hate to say this, is uh, it involved Sasha Dewan, and it was the uh, Ra Ra Rasputin uh, dance routine there with the old Boney M track playing in the background. Uh, due to how he performed it, it was, it felt like a Doctor Who moment, like it was a, um, a high point in the era, and yet it didn't involve Jodie Whittaker or the Doctor at all. Yeah, well, that, uh, that's typical Chibnall. Um, I look at I look at certain things, and there's there's potential there, and this this story had some really great elements to it that just didn't get fleshed out. And then there's Yaz. <laughs> yeah, um, so as always, uh, Mandy Gill was back as Yasmin Khan, the longest-standing new series companion, Kyle. Yet again, though, I I did see her act a couple of times in this. But she was separate from the Doctor a great deal of the time, wasn't she? She didn't really have much chemistry with anybody else, so it still didn't feel like much. Because it really felt like the stars of this run of Doctor Who were put into the background of their own show for other people. The Sasha steals a lot of it. All of the seeing the past Doctors and past characters, the actual people who were the, I guess you can say, define this era of Doctor Who were so pushed to the background that they didn't even feel like they were a massive part of it. Well, if you're asking for my opinion about Yaz, I um, while watching this episode and seeing her incredible, suddenly innate abilities at piloting the TARDIS, I reminded <laughs> of River Song. I have a lot of issues with River Song. I feel that she is an overpowered Mary Sue. If I could sum up my feelings of Yaz, I think that she's a powerless Mary Sue. Um, Yaz has. <laughs> Yaz is a character that if you were to see her from the beginning of, of her, her era in uh, the Chibnall times, what was that? The woman who fell to her. And then compare her to the power of the Doctor. While along the way hyping her to the viewer as the longest serving Doctor Who companion and the Doctor's um, soulmate and the, as Graham said, the greatest living person who has ever existed, I wouldn't be able to find... Uh, and you told me, and this is... And, and and this is her, uh, and you, you don't, but you've never seen a photo of her. You're given all the information, and you, but you're saying, now, which one do you think she is? I wouldn't be able to tell. I would say, <laughs> oh, she exists, because she doesn't exist. 
She's a character who's simply there. She's a background character in her own family story in Demons of the Punjab. She's a, you could easily create the wonderful, what's that? I don't know the name of the tune, but Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's a series called Curb Your Enthusiasm, which uses this kind of this funny little music that's often used as kind of a, oh, shame on you. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could sum up, um, you could do a wonderful meme of when Yaz in um, Prisoner of the Judoon is uh, setting herself up to be, I can be a police one. I can tell these uh, Judoon what to do. And then and, and then yeah. she's whisked away and taken away by Jack. And that could be the music. That's the story of her life is, 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 an empty, is, is nothing. It's a story of, it's an empty chamber of a character that you, you're meant to think is the best that's ever existed. It's it's uh, at the least annoying, and at the most, it's it's infuriating for me because I don't like being told what to think in a in a story. I don't like being told this is the most amazing person. She's hype. She's empty hype and nothing more. I think that Yaz is a failure. I always say that Doctor Who, uh, be it a season of Doctor Who or a good story of Doctor Who, is always um, or should should be to have a to, have that, to possess that Doctor Who magic, it needs to be more than the sum of its parts. So we've got characters, we've got story. Every every story's got that. Everything we see on TV or, or at the movies has got those things. But but for something to, to succeed as Doctor Who, it's got to be soaked in, in something else, in some of this magic, Charlotte. And I did feel that with this, whether it was the presence of the old faces, whether it was just a, a want to deliver something that could be memorable, being aware that this was going to be the one that people were going to go go back to. I do feel that they were trying to give us a good time. And I, I don't want to be the guy who says he didn't enjoy this because whilst, whilst I did look at my clock a couple of times, I did appreciate certain parts of it. It did feel like I, they were trying to entertain me, trying to amuse me, trying to remind me of things I used to love. And and to um and to win back some of the fan base that they'd lost. So I, I'm trying to be generous with this because I think that the heart was in the right place, even if it hadn't got there naturally. It sort of been shunted back there because they they needed us for this to go out on some sort of on some sort of high note. So I'm trying not to be too hard on it. But obviously, with the passage of time, you realise that so little of it makes sense. So much of it needn't have been there. Like poor Vinda played again by Jacob Anderson. It was little more than a spit and a, and a cough. I mean, did you, for all that we've said about it, because again, we've gone in on this episode, did, did you enjoy it in any way? Not as a whole episode, because like you said, Jodie, I, I, people know my feelings on Jodie's doctor, but this didn't feel like a big farewell to her doctor in the slightest. And that was a shame because it, it, it should have felt like that. It's her final one. I, I I have a big issue anyway when characters don't have nonsensical reasons for things. And this was just terrible for that. So and you see, just... this is more of a time for them to have seized the day. Yes. To take those, just as Kyle said, rather than pushing those characters to the background, thinking, okay, this hasn't been as successful as it should have been, as it could have been. We've got these two women in these two roles. This is the very last chance they're going to... They're going to have to play them in context. Let's go. Let's go all or nothing. Let's put some conviction into this, and that, yeah, that, e and that they ultimately didn't. Even sort of their parting 
like reflecting back on that, that was incredibly cold. And like, it didn't feel like two good friends because that's how I see them, even though I don't think that's been done brilliantly, but that's sort of what, how I see their relationship. It didn't even feel like two good friends saying goodbye because sort of she gets hit by the beam, by the giant jellyfish thing. Yaz carries her into the TARDIS and then Jodie just sort of, once she realises she's regenerating, says, I want to be by myself. And that, I, I don't understand that motivation for Jodie's doctor because this no, doctor has either. shown in the past she doesn't like being by herself. She That's likes having, fan. yeah, she likes yeah. having people around her. So I don't understand why suddenly she sort of says a very tepid goodbye to, to Yaz and then sort of banishes her from the TARDIS. And I just was like, I, why would, the, like, if it was other doctors, maybe I could buy it because they, I would want a bit more privacy when they regenerate or it would be too painful for them to do it in front of a companion they're quite close to. But with Jodie, it just felt like, are you doing this once again because in the script you need her to be by herself? But it's it's like that all the tenant. way through, though, isn't it? That lack of that lack of connectivity. You know, I was thinking, I, you see, you know, we, we see Sophie uh, back as Ace, we see Janet back as Tegan. They introduce the, both of those characters talking to one another, then they bring them into Unit HQ. You think, okay, this is the moment where they're going to meet the Doctor. This is going to give me the chills. This is going to give me the same sort of chills that I got when when the 10th Doctor first met Sarah Jane again. And, and there's been other moments like that. And yet, it, it just didn't come. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just the, the meetings that were like that, that were, that were all, almost played down, but it was all the departures. Well, everything was wrapped up in, in a similar way. So you know, the, the Doctor is, is mortally wounded, and people are sort of huddled around her, her extended fam. Uh, but that's the last that we see of, of them together. There's no, there's nothing, t there's nothing touching there. There's no killer line that's, that sort of tugs at your heartstrings. There's no raising of stakes. There's no, there's no, this is the moment about it. There's no big gambit. It's all or nothing. It's all just stuff that's happening. Yeah, and even when they do that scene on top of the TARDIS, which I was like, okay, maybe this is going to be the proper goodbye between them. Jodie's doctor just says, oh, I loved traveling with you i'm sorry that that's such a boring line to have as your final sort of interaction there was it should have been more like that whole scene for me and like i said that's the end then yaz is sort of sort of meets um john and bradley to have the meeting at the end and i was just like god like the, the, i need to feel something for these two departing and there's nothing. I've got a quote here from Jodie Whittaker herself, Kyle, and she said about this during the promo, she she didn't give that many interviews either. She spoke to Carol Vorderman on BBC Radio Wales. There was a, <laughs> a couple of really scant appearances on things here and there. But she said about the power of the Doctor, it's one for the Whovians. It's a treat if you're a proper fan. It all sounds... It all sounds very gatekeeperish, isn't it? It's got all the iconic things you associate with Doctor Who. It's massive. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of things that she was not saying consistently over the last three or four years. Was she right? Was this one for the Whovians? Should we all lighten up a little bit? Because, hey, there's Daleks, there's Cybermen, there's past Doctors. What more do you want? <laughs> okay, so here's my feeling on this. I think, and actually in that statement, 
in her mind and her in her heart. I think it was in the right place because of all the old classic elements of Doctor Who. And I think Jodie truly, I think deep down, and she can't talk about it yet. And I think, I think, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, at some point, there's going to be a lot of truths to come out about this era of Doctor Who. I really, truly do think that Jodie, in the end, realized this was not the Doctor Who the fans wanted. But there was nothing at that point. The ship had sailed. There was nothing that could be done about it. And I think that's why you hear her talk about wanting to some hopefully get a chance to someday to come back to who. Because I truly, I, I'm starting to think that Jody even now realizes she didn't get to be the Doctor Who she wanted to be. And I think again, it comes back to I think, I think too, as far as like why it felt very low key for the current crew is i think that, again i come back i think maybe even the bbc we just like we don't want this group to have any memorable moments we, we want we just want to be over it and move forward and i think that's the attitude that was taken by the bbc and some mandates they probably had down to people who were working on this and even chimnall himself if he wrote this episode was just like i just want to be done with it let's just move past this part of my life it went bad let's let's do that Unfortunately, like I said, I think for classic Who fans, there's some great moments in this. And the point of do them doing that was just like, hey, we haven't forgot you. We remember you. We love you. We're going to get back to on track and get back to you, classic Who, Who fans. And I mean, Paul McGann, in his brief moments, there's part of me that almost wishes it was Jody would have regenerated into Paul McGann. So Paul McGann could have really gotten his fair shot to really get stretch his doctor legs a little more. But I also know why we got David Tennant, and there's there's a lot of marketing reasons why, and there's a lot of reasons of saving the franchise why. And I think if if Doctor Who had been on better ground at the end of this thing, they might have taken that chance with Paul McGann if that was the story where the storyline was going to go. But it is what it is, and we're we're at where we are where we are now, and it, I think it's time for everybody to just kind of take that breath and say, okay, what's what's next, and. Every, and move on because there's nothing from this era that's memorable. There's there's nothing from this era that stands out in this. Well, super there's nothing positive. from this era that's memorable of its own gift. Everything yeah. is moments like the moments where where the thirteenth Doctor. See, I have to struggle to even call her that. It's Jodie. She, I don't feel that she believes that she's the Doctor. So why should I believe that she's the Doctor when she stood opposite the the other Doctors in that cavern? In, in the uh, the domain that exists between the world uh, and passing into regeneration. It's kind of... They're effectively like um, standing at the pearly gates, aren't they, in, in Christianity. It's it's like they're the guardians up to heaven almost. And, and this is another reason why I see this as a soft retcon of the entire ch- timeless child thing. Because when she gets to those gates... Now, in Christianity, it's St. Peter's at the gates, isn't it? Here, it is the first Doctor, as originated by William Hartnell. Not Joe Martin's Doctor, or anybody else who... Not, not some child. It's the Doctor. And they haven't got the time, the energy, or the resources to retcon something that, that they put on screen that nobody liked in the first place, and very few people actually watched. So, it's a, the way I view this, this is a way of them reaffirming the real continuity. But... When I see Jodie Whittaker opposite those four men in particular, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann and Peter Davison, and to some extent David Bradley, who I, I think even though he's only played the character twice, plays it with uh, the kind of weight that I think Hartner would have been proud, opposite those actors, 
it's very clear that she knows by this point that she's she's not the doctor that these men are this character and it's game over from this point i mean i i'm very conscious of the fact that this review is again sounding like an autopsy <laughs> and i don't i don't mean it to I don't think that they were trying to pull the wool over our eyes. I think they they were exposed. They knew they were exposed. They had one last hurrah. And I do think that they wanted to give us something to entertain us on their way out the door. But unfortunately, it's, it's far too little too late. Chris, did this charm you? Any of these old faces, did this make up for four years of, of mediocrity on screen? Not in the slightest. Um... <laughs> because you mentioned you mentioned autopsy, right? Well, how can you become excited on something that's dead on departure? It's the same feeling I had you'd expect hearing Nicholas Courtney's voice in Survivors of the Flux or seeing Kate Stewart in, in these episodes. And I admit Kate Stewart had a better outing here than she did in Flux, yeah. but I would have expected, you know, some excitement on my part hearing Nicholas Courtney's voice or hearing a little reference to the to your dad was an idiot or such you know just little references to him but it's all empty now i mean you see photos i liken it this way you see photos compare how unit looks now in the post brigadier era to, to how moffat was showing it when you had um what was it uh, death in heaven when the 12th doctor's on the unit plane and there's a photo of the brigadier and the set's the right size even though there aren't many people there it's a, it's a room uh, but it, it, the way it's lit, it's warm. There's that sense of, yes, it's, there are familiar ghosts around us. Well, think of Unit now, a, la a, a relatively large building with white walls, pretty much empty rooms, one person on the side of the, of the hall, <laughs> maybe in the hallway, no, not even sounds of any computers moving. It's just empty. Seeing these other doctors, it's nice, and I appreciate it. I would, what would have got me excited um, because it's all just empty ghosts. We don't even get to see the in this see this photo here. That's Peter Davison. Well, it's not Peter Davison. It's an AI representation of Jody Whittaker that happens to look like Peter Davison. And it's nice. He says Braveheart. There is a little interaction. I think the Sophie and, and uh, Sylvester McCoy exchange was uh, a little better. But see, Chris, I didn't. This is my doctor. Peter Davison was my doctor. Tegan was my favorite companion. Yeah. Him saying Braveheart to her should have been the moment that made me gasp, made me feel nine years old again. But I didn't feel a thing. Well, there's nothing left to feel because we know that this is the end of an era. We know that the, that he's Peter Davison is not... Peter Davison, the fifth Doctor, is not going to appear on screen in the flesh and run around with her. Now, that, had that happened, had any of these... They have Colin Baker. They have Paul McGann. They have Peter Davison. They have Sylvester McCoy. I understand that some of them might... I, I've heard that Paul McGann filmed his stuff on a different day, so maybe he couldn't have shown sure. that. But you have Peter Davison on the set. You have him there. You know that he was filming it right there. If you, and yet it is the, it's just a wisp of a ghost. Look, there's nothing left in this era, in this series, in this iteration of, of Doctor Who. That can, I think, get us excited. Partly because it's, it's a, it, it's, it's after the fact. This is an autopsy. There's unless 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 you are a, me, a medical doctor that has an eerie bent. There's nothing to be excited about. It's all clinical. This is a clinical uh, description of a failure of a of a program that's nearly sixty years. Uh, because at the heart of it, its main character has failed. 
its main companion has failed, its showrunner has failed. Look, it, it, there's, it, it is, this really is like a wake or a funeral because there's, all it is is just of uh, 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 echoes. Uh, it's all it is is remembrances of better times that have passed already, and of earlier times that once in, we once enjoyed. We may enjoy them again one day, but in this era, in this context, this is emptiness, and that's what it I. Rem from it reminded me of uh, 29 years ago. I I sat down on Children in Need night with my 3D glasses on to watch a little thing uh, called Dimensions in Time. And that was similarly very, very noisy, lots of running around, jumping from place to place, people reappearing and disappearing for no reason at all. A lot of these actors were there present. And, uh, and of course, it was absolute nonsense. And it is, for the most part, it's kind of softly reviled by a lot of the fandom all this time on. But it, it, the saving grace for that, Charlotte, was it was done for charity. <laughs> this w looks like it cost a few quid. You know, the budget looked significantly higher and the production values were better than Legend of the Sea Devils because that was piss poor, wasn't it? This did look a little better. Oh, yeah, you could definitely see BBC put more money into this with some of the, like, the, the explosions, like the building. Was it Unit HQ that exploded? Mm. That looked quite good. And some and the planet where where the giant jellyfish thing was that looked quite good, but just to add to what you were saying about why maybe the classic stuff didn't work for some people, I think it's because we know this isn't coming from any and any proper sincere notion, because this era when it started was so keen on pushing out the old, it was so loud and proud almost of we're here now we're going to do it our way we're going to get our fans so you can't start like that and be that abrasive and then expect your fan base to suddenly believe that you do honestly want to have the classic stuff back because we know why you've got the classic stuff back it's because either the bbc told you to or chris realized if it's full of my characters and my plot lines, nobody's going to care. People will care if I put the classic stuff in. So I think because Russell could be, Russell was brilliant at his era of having the reference here and bringing back this for an episode or having a bit of fun. But it, it felt like he, he was doing it because he generally wanted to bring that character back. I can remember when he brought Unit back and it felt like he was just doing it because he adored what it represented in the first run. And I he think wanted... the word, the word that when I think about Russell and those characters, how he, how he handled them was with, with relish. Yes. And like Sarah Jane, that whole episode when she, you could just tell he wanted to give, to, to reintroduce her to people my age who might not know her and wanted to, and he wanted us to fall in love again. Same with Moffat. That's what I also think Kate's always been. It's been his tribute to the brig. But with Chris, it, you don't get that feeling at all. You just get this is a desperate man who's just trying to reach for anything that can work. So I just think it's a shame because I would have loved to have seen the, the, the classic Doctor's back in a different era, and I'm very thankful that we've got a 60th coming up. 
because I <laughs> any think... episode but this, any other yeah. writer than this, any other circumstances but this. Kyle, is it the simple truth that, you know, we were given 90 minutes for this. This is the longest Doctor Who special, I think, since the Five Doctors, all the way back in 1983. So it's had this increased runtime. But is the irony of it <laughs> that for the most of this episode, the majority of the people who watched it, whether they were there from minute one or join, say, halfway through or 10 minutes before the end, they were there for only one reason. And it was to see this character or this version of this character meet their end. Was that really the 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 price of worth the price of admission for most? Well, well first of all, is if if you watch this live in the US on BBC America, it wasn't ninety minutes. It had a half an hour of commercials in it to extend oh, it. Oh God, to two you hours. poor poor man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know Chris feels my pain here, but um Yes, I, I, I think ultimately the, the, what this special comes down to is people wanted to see the end of this Doctor. And I, I think it's... The, I'm going to say this. And I, to me, it was one of the actually good parts of this episode was I honestly thought, not the speech, but the actual regeneration itself, the visuals of this regeneration were actually one of the best regenerations oh, we've think, seen in, in a very long time. Are you surprised? I completely disagree. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, was... no, I, 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 I will say this. I was yeah. definitely getting a Highlander feel from it as well. <laughs> the Doctor did have a quickening. But I just think the visuals of having Jody just morph right into Tenet, clothes and everything, and the overlook, that, that, to me, that's, that's an awesome-looking shot right there. This, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the cinematography and the effect of it. And I, I think that it needed to be kind of this big showy thing because I really think that the, the point of this was was to just – they're pulling on Chibnall what Chibnall tried to pull on Doctor Who, what Charlotte talked about. Chibnall, they came in loud and abrasive and said, we're ignoring the past. We're, we are – this is the new era of Doctor Who. This is the new direction of Doc, Doctor Who. Forget the past. And Chibnall tried to do everything he could to change the past of Doctor Who to make it irrelevant. And he couldn't, and it backfired on him. And so you have this very loud and drastic change and uh, regeneration into the 14th Doctor. Um, I think I think there's a, that it's a little bit of a shot at the air, too. Like, we this air tried to start out spectacular, but we're going to close it out spectacularly as far as that moment goes. But we're not going to give it anything memorable so people can go that, that makes people want to go back and revisit no, I've got, this I've got stuff. I find it personally quite bland I think that as much as I've enjoyed Sasha in this it, yet again it's the master that uh, that brings about the doctor's this doctor's end we've seen that multiple times before and it, it's yeah I by the time that the regeneration actually started it was a sense <laughs> of sort of at last at last I was so I was so sort of worn down after 90 minutes of this. Like I, I couldn't wait for it to be over anyway. But it was it was more a, a case of of a big, of a big release. There's only so much uh, power that any of us can take, and there's only so many plot holes and so much stuff and nonsense, <laughs> isn't it, that we can all that we can all try and sort of work our way back through to plot and to process and to chew over. So I think it's time that we took a couple of minutes to take in something a little more substantial, and uh, thoroughly absorbent courtesy of our friends across the fandom podcast network kev's here to tell you a little bit more about all of that then you can meet charlotte kyle and chris straight back here for more in a couple of minutes 
Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast, we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast, covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show. Our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, and we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of those shows, including Type 40. If you head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll quickly find a store full of all the team colors for all of the podcasts on everything from T-shirts to phone cases, all the way to those enormous tapestries. You can treat yourself, treat your other selves, and it all goes to support the Fandom Podcast Network into the bargain. So everybody wins. Yes, she may be gone, but we're right here. We're back at Type 40 to talk about the power of the Doctor, the conclusion to the power of the Doctor, and that latest regeneration of the title character there. Recently played by, by Jodie Whittaker, of course, and in the, the latest in that in that long long line, and for a time, I think a lot of us suspected that it could it could have easily have been the last. Uh, we talked a little bit about the regeneration there, Carl. You you say you're a fan. I I don't think it was badly made. This this transition, I don't think it was necessarily. Um, I don't think it was uh, bad ill conceived. I, I like the fact that it wasn't set in the TARDIS again because we've had that time after time after time after time. Uh, but I think, I, is it just the fact that I never felt this character throughout the last four years, so I couldn't possibly be affected by by any aspect of her demise? Uh, I, I think, Dan, for me, the reason why I liked it was the, the excitement it brings seeing David Tennant back. Yeah. And I think that regeneration, what it le- it's about what it leads to. It's not about what it's leaving behind. It's about what it's leading to. And it's leading to that sense of hope for a lot of Doctor Who fans. Real, you know, real I'm not, renewal. I'm renewal. This was the first time in the history of the show where we haven't been 100% certain who was going to be stood there in Whitaker's place. I mean, it was only down to two candidates, David Tennant or Shuti Gatwa. That at least was something new. But did you always did you always know that it would be Tennant stood there? I, I think I think we knew it was going to be Tennant because 
I, I just think that this is this, this this comes down to a couple of things. The BBC and Russell both knew we we have to get this right. We've got to get the fan base back. But not only that, they it's not just about getting the fan base back that's in the in the UK. It's getting back the worldwide fan base that Doctor Who has lost because from this from this era. Because and ten you know years what? ago I, it was really getting somewhere, wasn't it, when Matt Smith oh, was wait, the doctor wait. in particular? Even even up until the time when Jody was announced at the, as the Doctor and appeared at San Diego Comic Con, Doctor Who was riding a high. Yes, it had dropped off a little after the transition from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi, but it was still being talked about across the world. The Jody era started; it went the direction it went. Um, the world changed. Let's be honest; the world changed over that time too, yeah. drastically. To bring back David Tennant. To have him be the next Doctor we see on the screen. To have him officially be the 14th Doctor, which is something I actually really like that they're doing. Um, they're handling it brilliantly. And one of the things I like about this in all these images, too, is we see where it looks like David is also taking our next Doctor kind of under his wing and helping him understand what the Doctor is, too. You, you, we've seen them a lot together in photos we've seen them have we know they've had conversations we know russell's been kind of tra directing traffic between them I i've think, not I seen think any I photos of the two of them together yet but i do think we are in a situation where there are kind of two leads to this show we've seen shooter gatwa already begin to act as an ambassador for the show in new york this week within 48 hours of this scene of this scene airing and he wasn't even in it he was out there promoting the show so i, I do appreciate what you're saying and it does feel like there is a there's a passing of the baton here, which under normal circumstances would have been between the recently departed doctor, the most recent in the continuity, and the guy about to take the show forward. But here, clearly, they've just got no confidence in, in, the, in the actress. I, I, I honestly do believe if they would have regenerated from Jody to Shooty, Shooty would not stand a chance. Because I think, I think you have to heal. And I, I think only two doctors right now I, I'll go three. They could have. They could, it either had to be David Matt Smith. I think they could have gotten away with Paul McGann, because I know there's a lot of the fan base who would like to see him get a ch chance to stretch his legs more to the doctor. Yeah. But I think it really had to either be David or Matt Smith. We knew Matt Smith has very big current commitments right now. Yes. And and David, but Dave, having David, and I think you have to have it be David through these specials, because I just think the fan base needs to be reestablished and says. Yes, we know who the Doctor is. We know what Doctor Who is, and we're breaking, we're bringing Doctor Who back to what you know it to be. And I think, I, I, I think that's incorporating classic Who. It's, it's bringing back elements that Chris Chibnall removed, and it's also bringing back somebody who knows the Doctor, can reestablish the Doctor, and yet reestablish the Doctor with the changes that have been made, incorporating the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth aspects of the Doctor that are now part of the fourteenth Doctor. With that, with that said, I think it's also it's all it's it's about marketing and it's about getting people back, and that's where that's where that's we're at cold, right now. The and cold that's, that's, truth. That, that that's why we have David Tennant on our screen at the end of this episode. Chris, all it's taken is thirty episodes to run a pretty damn healthy show right into the into the ground here. I mean, never has so little content been put out <laughs> by so many by by a well-staffed production team. To, to so few ratings absolutely plummeted. It was the steepest decline in the series 
long history from that initial interest at the beginning at the woman the woman who fell to earth which which really spiked at to an all-time low never mind the new series the classic series in the equation to that all-time low for legend of the sea devils had fewer people watching th than ever both overnight and consolidated so in reinstalling david tennant in this role you know for however long even if it was for three minutes never never mind three episodes is this just as Kyle said, blatantly and a, a, a massive rescue operation on the entire intellectual property before they can move it forward? Uh, well, this will sound flippant. Is this a trick question? Yes, yes, it is. Um, Some it, people call me a, 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 a sexist and all these other things for even suggesting that. So I know that sounds like a stupid question, but you'd be amazed the amount of people who find that question offensive. Well. No one wants to. No one wants to admit failure. No one wants to. Okay, look. Uh, I mentioned. Um, I'm going to plug that you mentioned Times Champion, and I mentioned that there was. It felt like they'd taken something from Times Champion. Of course, I'm half joking, but there is a line that Ballyard says in that book that I, I'm happy to see that I wrote to the sixth, um, uh, to the sixth Doctor when the Doctor pleads with the Ballyard to say, "Why continue down this road?" And the Ballyard says, "I could never live as a failure," and no one can. It's, it's human nature. Uh, so even now, after these last four years or five years or such, the BBC is never going to publicly say, yes, we failed, or, or yes, this was a mistake, or yes, this was a misstep. You never, you never, uh, you always save face. And so this will be marketed as a celebration as the 60th anniversary. This will be marketed as uh, a sense of fun and adventure. This will be marketed as the next step in the evolution of the Doctor. When in fact, what it really is, the cold hard truth, is that it is a, it is a resuscitation. Uh, this is a resuscitation move. The series is dead. It's dead on, uh, dead on departure. And it's really, let's be honest, it's dead on arrival right now. However, the best way to bring it back is this wonderful jolt to the system. Um, it's... And I and I am I'm happy to see David Tennant back, but I will be also frank. Um, you have, have you, there was this. There's a book called North and South, and it was made into a uh, into a BBC I think series some years ago, starring Richard Armitage. Um, and it's a it's a nice story, but there is a nice little scene where the the late, leading female protagonist goes back to her home, her home. And she has loving memories of home, but when and 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 you and the way it's shown on the screen is that there's this nice little glowing haze on the screen when she has memories. When she goes back to her home, her home is run down, her parents are dead, the house yeah. is array and such. You can't go back. This is this is going to be an interesting exercise seeing what RTD does because he really is putting the rose-colored glasses back on fandom and saying, well. See, here's David Tennant. Here's Donna. Uh, here's Catherine Tate. Here's um, bless his heart, uh, Bernard Cribbins. We say Bernard over here. I guess you say Bernard. Um, Bernard right. Cribbins. <laughs> um, and uh, at, li at the end of his life, literally weeks before he dies. So it's 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 a wonderful it's a wonderful return. It's a welcome return. I will give the caution to fandom that it will last three episodes, and that doesn't mean what comes after will be terrible. What I'm saying is. This glow will last three episodes, and then David Tennant will leave, because this is not 2008 anymore. We're almost 15 years later. Tennant is older. Tate, Catherine Tate is older. Um, you will um, there is, it is a wonderful chance to go back for a moment, but you can't live in the past because this way lies madness.
And so this is the caution that I will give to fandom is that this is a wonderful return, but look to the future and be and get ready for Shudi Gatwa because this is this is temporary. But it will be I, I imagine that it will be fun. And so I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, certainly. That's all we I, want, I, isn't it, Charlotte? Just a good time now, just a bit of fun. Oh yeah, and I think the sixtieth needs to bask. If there's any a time the show should be looking back and should be sort of happy and congratulating itself almost. It should be a 60th. But that's why I think Russell is very aware that you can't go back home, that saying, because he's not, Tennant is the 14th Doctor. He is a new incarnation. We've just got the same face. And even in the tiny bit in the trailer we saw and some of the press that has started to trickle out, this 14th Doctor isn't sure of himself. There's a line where he's like, I don't know who I am anymore. So I do think Russell is clever in the fact that he's got an actor back who he knows the who he knows can play the part, who has that intrinsic knowledge, but he's also such a talented actor. And he's going to give him, I think, a real challenge writing-wise is the feeling I'm getting. I, mean, I, I do think, think that, I do think that as well as uh, looking the same, it, this incarnation clearly has the same personality that he had before. I think that the I, I, I don't I, know who I, I am anymore, and he gasps the way that he always gasped when he was uncovering bits about the Time War and oh, all that kind. Of, I, I I think it's a similar kind of journey he'll be on. I, I I think he can have a similar personality, but he's going to have a very different enemy. He's going to have a very different circumstance, and I think that can make a real difference because. A doctor, he, with the 10th Doctor also, we saw near the end of his run, a bit of darkness, a bit of that almost a villain sort of quality. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Russell taps into that and, be, and really does want to make this incarnation, yes, have some of the traits we know, and Tennant has some very physical acting traits we all know, but he's not... He know he's not stupid, Russell. When it comes to characters, he knows you have to adapt. You have to evolve a character to keep it interesting, and I think he will want to do that with this fourteenth Doctor. Something to get his teeth into a little bit more, yeah. Kyle. I look at this as two ways: these three episodes, and yes, we know they're going to be three episodes. Think of it as you're going to how there will be some restaurants between courses will give you something to cleanse the palate. You know, so you can, you know, like whether it's a sherber or something like that, you, you'll have that. It cleanses the palate so you're ready to enjoy the next meal and, and get the full taste of that. This is what this is. This is a palate cleansing run. This <laughs> is to get the taste, the taste of the last air out of our mouths and to give it, a, give the next air a fresh start. And who better to fill that, be that bridge, cleanse that palate, than one, a phenomenal actor in David Tennant who understands the doctor. I do think there will be aspects of the 10th Doctor that he will incorporate into the 14th Doctor. But I agree with, with Charlotte. I think there will be some new things we've never seen from David Tennant in his interpretation of the Doctor. Maybe a darker side because you he's think, not sure Do you think he he's a better actor now than he than he was in oh, 2009? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Infinitely. Probably is. Infinitely. I mean, and you, I mean just, just by the body of work he's done since then. I mean, we've seen him play the darker side. Look at his role in the, as the uh, Kilgrave in the Marvel Jessica Jones show. We've seen him do some crazy stuff like with Good Omens. So he, he's he's really 
flexed his acting muscles all over the place since his time leaving Doctor Who. And I think he's going, like I said, he we're going to see the aspects of the 10th Doctor we love, but we're also going, he's going to bring something new to this 14th Doctor. I think, this is just my personal opinion and my me playing guessing game, the idea of these three episodes is the Doctor rediscovering himself as the Doctor. The, rediscovering the Doctor with ending with his regeneration into the new Doctor that's going to reflect the Doctor finding his direction again. And we're going to have that and then start these new adventures with the 15th Doctor. That's that's kind the, of, I think, the simple, the idea the simple fact it. is that although that's what's going on on screen within the fiction, uh, fact is sort of reflecting fiction in many respects because that's what they're trying to promote in the audience isn't it i don't mean the audience like us who, who sit around talking about it on podcasts or on on twitter or whatever else the actual the, the viewing public not just in britain but all over the world they need to be reminded why they connected with that character in the first place why that show was appointment of view tv why it became as big as it did uh, and they need reminding pretty just, damn quick too just look at the marketing blitz that has started literally minutes after the end of the power Have of you the doctor ever, there's been, Kyle, there's been you more cover, marketing for this than there was the whole 13th run run <laughs> you cover over on culture clash which is the the weekly uh, flagship show of the fandom podcast network that covers the whole of pop culture and you see these things weekly don't you the the rise and fall of intellectual properties and how how news how things enter the news cycle and explode and then sometimes peter out and how things have that major major effect and when things drop how much of a splash that they make or the the opposite and the whole machine how it works on the weekly and that in the modern age in the 21st century it just seems to get faster and faster and faster doesn't it and i wondered have you ever seen any intellectual property any big brand bleach itself clean as quickly as the bbc managed to do as bbc studios put into operation within 24 hours of the pair of the doctor airing on on bbc one on sunday night it was very very quick yeah no not not this quick and i find it interesting because it ties in with the other big piece of doctor who news that came out when when you look at the lex at least here in the united states and i think chris can back me up on this it feels like there's there's really three to four tentpole franchises right now that are the only franchises that can stay in the news consistently you have you have two and two of them are owned by the same company the other two, yeah. what one one is kind of in a state of flux, and the other one is like what we're going to see now that has new leadership. But the, the four are Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and Star Trek. Two of them are owned by Disney. Well, now Disney has gotten themselves, and they've been trying for a while to get themselves into the Doctor Who business. They are officially now in the Doctor Who business as the worldwide distributor outside of the UK for Doctor Who via Disney Plus. All new episodes. All episodes starting in 2023 will be available on Disney Plus and not aired on BBC America or other, I think ABC in Australia just lost their rights to it. That's right. This is a huge deal because if nothing else, the Disney factor alone will now keep could very well keep Doctor Who in the conversation worldwide for a while because it is now a it's tied in as a partial Disney property. 
And so Disney Disney's been wanting in the Doctor Who business for a while. I don't I think they're going to be a major factor with the 60th and going forward with Doctor Who. It's going to be very interesting to see how all those relationships play out and I know we'll talk about those on another episode, but I think it's very paramount that within 48 hours this announcement hit as soon as Joe and <laughs> I don't think this announced if this was it that was, big of a deal they would have it, announced it was extraordinary. Even before. Uh, yeah. Here at Type 40 we were tipped off that the rebrand was happening pretty fast uh, we were also aware that the diamond logo that iconic diamond doctor who logo that featured on the on the main titles between 1974 and 1980 that that would be back to lead this brand into its anniversary year we told you that on type 40 live all the way back in may so we knew about all that but the fact that it came this quickly <laughs> it surprised absolutely everybody that this this brand new old logo at the same time with this news on tuesday the 25th of october just as you said that the bbc and disney branded television had come together and the intent is kyle to transform doctor who into a global franchise for uk audiences and the rest of the world it's a great mission statement i think charlotte it's 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 got no fat on it it's very clear what they're trying to do for who and why and the timing seems right. I understand why some people may have their reservations about this, but we're just coming out of of the real doldrums here, where that that show and that intellectual property in in Great Britain it's gone from being cherished to to being next to forgotten. So this to get it back in the not just back in the news cycle, but to connect with something latent in the in the hearts of British people, it's a masterstroke, wasn't it? I, I certainly I was being messaged about this. I was being called about this Tuesday. In fact, the calls haven't really stopped. How about you? Yeah, you know, it's crazy because it's such a big brand, Disney. Like, and I know Disney's had its issues the last couple of years, but it still is a part of so many childhoods. It's part of so many adulthoods. Like people who are still adults adore Disney property. So it is just that sort of that major name which who needed to help get it a bit more in the press again i sort of got it needs prestige again doesn't it charlotte and there's something still prestigious about the name disney oh yeah because like i said what they've done in the industry since the beginning but i think there's two reasons myself why this could have happened i think they know it's dead in america this brand they know that the chibnall era the damage it started to get in Capaldi's run, it just was even worse during Jodie's. So I think this is Russell and the BBC trying to get Americans to notice the show again. But I've been listening to some of like the press conference that they had and the little Q&A video shoot he did, actually, to sort of talk about the Disney deal. And he's talking about how the TARDIS can go anywhere and it can do all these amazing things and you can have such big stories. And they used the word ambition in the press event at New York. And I think this is another creative reason why this could be happening. I think Russell's got very big ideas. He's got these sort of major plans he would want to do with the show. Well, he's always talked big about this about the show. Even before he came back to it, he was saying what it could be. You know, when people 
when people did manage to get there under the radar with him and, and get a few words out of him, because he's always been very careful not to say too much on somebody else's watch, but he would always, his eyes would light up. He said, this could be the biggest thing ever. This could be this, this could be that. Oh, we did that far too early. Just imagine if we did it now. You know, he's always been, he's always spoken like that. Chris, uh, a few months ago, Kyle was talking about this very thing becoming a reality. He believed, I, I think I'm, I'm quoting you correctly, Kyle, your exact words were that you felt that uh, we're at a stage where Doctor Who was this big property that eventually it couldn't languish forever and that the vultures were circling. It was only a matter of time before one of these, one of these brands, a bigger brand, swooped in and, and picked it up. So obviously that was, that was what you said. But what do you think, Chris? I mean, were you shocked by the Disney involvement? Did you, do you feel the same way? that Kyle did, that this was clearly going to happen. And what do you take as a long-term Doctor Who fan? Does this scare you? I wasn't shocked at all. Um, largely because the BBC itself, I think, and you would never have thought this years ago, I think the B that the BBC itself is in at the least a condition where it will be in the very near future changing its structure with the ending of the, the TV license. Um, and at the most, you could even see a situation where the BBC could, if not cease to exist, but maybe be broken apart. So that's, those are situations that may not happen. Yeah. What is happening? Choppy waters. Exactly. What is happening is, is that uh, the BBC on its own um, is not in a position, in my opinion, to carry forward Doctor Who uh, on its own. And so it, it makes absolute sense that a larger corporation would be uh, um, in a position to say, well, we can take it now. Uh, yes, you have bad, it's being done by Bad Wolf it's, and, and Sony and such, but um, as we've seen, <laughs> as we've seen in, in his properties, shared properties like Spider-Man, it's clearly something like Disney that really carries forward the, well, compare the, the quality of the, of the, of, of the creativity, Com compare um, the success of Spider-Man No Way Home to Morbius. And yeah. <laughs> even though it has Matt Smith, which I love, Spider-Man No Way Home proved to be massively successful because it capitalized upon not only its brand, but also the many iterations of its brand. Now, why do I say that? I say it because I fully suspect, not being surprised, that uh, Disney Plus has taken the, taken the reins. Because I think that they are. I think they they may be silent partners, but I can guarantee you that they're going to have some share at the table, some voice at the table, so to speak. My personal opinion is that what you're going to see come out of Disney Plus is the multiverse, but not in the sense of other realities. None of the I hate to say it, but the garbage of the timeless children, because no one, no one, no one cares about that. In fact, I think a lot of is it not? Is it not though? There's a difference, isn't there, Chris? There's a massive difference between multiverse, which is a an abstract fictional concept, yes, and and uh, franchise. Well, that's what I mean. That's that's exactly what's happened. You're going to see, um, you're going to see fran uh, the franchise multiply and diversify in Doctor Who going forward. And I don't know which forms it will take. I suspect. Smart money would be in a you know in an early a couple of years ago I would have said Torchwood, I don't know if that will happen exactly exactly at this point, um, especially on Disney Plus. It wouldn't be the same as it was before. I would love and again in a perfect world, of course, would be the Sarah Jane Adventures, but that's gone. But I suspect you will see something like Sophie Aldrin uh, Ace's Adventures. I think the highlights certainly that that made me a little excited certainly was the moment where Ace pulls out her bat to the camera and says something like wicked. So I think you'll see more with Ace. I think you'll see more with 
maybe if they can sort out the rights to K9 or something. Probably Ace and K9 together. I mean, Ace is the the standout character, really. I mean, that Sophie Aldred is uh, yeah. obviously she's she's uh, an actress of age now, but she's still very physically capable. She's certainly, and I've always thought Sophie was a great actress. She's a, a better actress now, and there's there's a quality about her. There's a charisma about her. And she's still got that way with with children, with a family audience too. I, I see her as somebody who could certainly become involved again, and perhaps on a semi permanent basis like that, and be part of a franchise. Well, she's the natural. She's, she's the natural spiritual successor just to Elizabeth Slayton. She's um, also worked for Disney before as well. Yes. But we do have we do have word. Uh, I mean, Kyle, is this what you meant all those months ago when you told me? About this is what you believe would happen. I, I, I think this is still a situation in flux because I think the ultimate play for Disney in the long game is to eventually have ownership of Doctor Who, and I think it's coming. I don't. I think. I just I felt think, a tremor of millions of Doctor Who fans going, yeah. "Whoa! Did he really just say that out loud?" Because there's nothing yeah. that Doctor Who fans are, are more frightened about right now on social media than that. But here, here's here's the aspect of it, though, and this is. This is something I've learned watching the Dis- how Disney's handled their two major purchases in the last couple of decades with Star Wars and Marvel. Disney went all in on Star Wars thinking we're going to create this Star Wars to be something with us. We bought this all from George. It's been down. It's been out. We're going to create it. We're going to create our own characters. Kind of, I don't want to say ignore the past, but just go in, a, in their direction that they wanted to go. And it didn't work. Whether you, for, for infinite number of reasons. Now you have like the Mandalorian and what the things they're doing with Disney Plus, Star Wars on Disney Plus, which the Mandalorian is huge. But they've let the creators create. When Disney bought Marvel, especially Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige was in place. Things were going along with Marvel, and Disney, for the most part, has let Kevin Feige run it. And that's, there's been tumultuous times. Bob Chapik, when he first came in, wanted Kevin Feige gone, and he couldn't do it. Because Kevin Feige brings yeah. in billions of dollars a, a year. He puts out, oh, we need a billion? Okay, let me put out a movie. That's basically how it goes. With Doctor Who, I think Disney's maybe learned its lesson in some cases to where the main heart of Who, especially if Russell is part of this, and I think he is. I think Russell is a very big part of this because I think he's going to end up being the guy. He is going to be the ultimate shepherd of Doctor Who going forward. I, I think that's he is being put in place to run Doctor it Who. It seems to be the case to me that obviously uh, Russell is uh, coming up to his sixty, his own sixtieth birthday. And this is a man who recently was named sort of the third most powerful person in in British media, the whole of British media, uh, oh, including writers, producers, directors, casting agents, everybody. He's a big figure, and whilst I can't see him show running this show indefinitely, I think that he'll, he'll be showing in it for show running it for quite a long time and even if he's not in place as showrunner will remain creatively involved in the show and with bad wolf for the foreseeable future maybe into his what we would usually call a retirement what what i think we're going to see happen on the disney end of it and this is this is this is where i, I don't see it immediately because again disney does not own the property right now yes they have, probably have some input they probably have that so that they're very high on Shooty. It's not coincidence that the press conference was in New York and Shooty was part of the press con- conference in the marketing. Everywhere. That's yeah. been there. Disney's very high on Shooty. They like Shooty. And I think they have plans for him. I think he's the somebody they approve of as the doctor. 
I think what you're going to see is where Disney's going, what you're going to see happen with the Disney and the Doctor is you could eventually see where Davis goes back to when he was trying to create spinoffs like Torchwood, and then when Moffat was there, some of the spinoffs they also tried to do there with Class and a few other other things. I think you'll start seeing that, but I think you're also going to see... I wouldn't be surprised to see something animated for Doctor Who. Disney doing an animated thing for, for Doctor Who to try to get a younger audience in that way. And well, I, I think, think, I think see- Chris hit the nail on the head when he mentioned the fact that... Up until, re- up until say, three or four years ago, and that Comic-Con that we talk about where Jodie Whittaker made her debut, the, that was the BBC trying to... I don't say they were faking it until they, until they made it, but they were making all the noise and, and uh, keeping the frame of, an, of being an international broadcaster. But the, the simple fact is that international broadcasting has left the BBC behind. They're massively out of their, out of their depth. And in that, in that whole arena of streaming platforms and big studios, they're insignificant, they're lost. They don't know how to, to not just talk on those terms, but to think, think on those scales. And, and I think that's why Bad Wolf, uh, I think that Bad Wolf effectively threw this brand a, a lifeline. No wonder the BBC sort of grabbed it with both hands and, and handed, handed over creative control mostly to Bad Wolf and, and their judgment. But, but getting in, getting into bed and being able to throw out this graphic with the BBC logo next to the Disney logo there, some of that prestige, and I, I know there's people probably scoffing out there because I'm, I'm well aware of the situation with Disney, but Disney are a big deal. There's no way of getting around that. You know, we can talk about the ins and outs of it and decisions they've made and even people that are in the equation there. You know, we, we can talk about that until the cows come home, but purely, purely optics-wise... Disney are a prestigious brand, the, probably the biggest brand in entertainment. So for the BBC to be to be seen to be on the same graphic there, that's where they want to be, but they couldn't get there. They couldn't hope to get there on their own. They don't have the imagination. They don't have the money. And in recent years, they have lost the, the uh, affection and the support of the British public too. And so are Doctor Who. Well, I, I, I think the other thing will be a very big reveal of how deep Disney is in with this Doctor Who thing will be later on in 2023 when Disney's D23 event happens where they really market a lot of stuff. Because I have a feeling, I would not be surprised Shooty showing up at that at that event. We have I, we have a quote. We have some quotes. We've got uh, the, the Telegraph. They spoke to the BBC about this. And the BBC said, spokesperson said, the BBC retain editorial control of future seasons. And so the tone and content will not deviate from the canon of Doctor Who. The broadcaster also retains the intellectual property rights, so Disney will be unable to produce spin-offs or any other material based around the concept. Uh, it's under a shared creative vision. They will deliver this quintessentially British show to future gen- generations on an unprecedented scale with Disney Plus as that exclusive home for new seasons of Doctor Who outside the UK and, and Ireland. So I'm drawn now to that connected uh, sentence there charlotte that says under a shared creative vision there was an initial belief that this was just a distribution deal it's it is for the most part but it is it does turn out it is a co-production deal but the simple fact of the matter is that doctor who has had a had co-producers throughout the entire life of the new series and even the tv movie they had co-producers overseas co-producers then as well so have we got to keep this in perspective? What do you, what do you think? I, I think there's a couple of things. I think 
Disney's very aware that this is a British show, that this has got British blood running through it. And I think they'll know if they make it too American, the inbuilt British audience will smell that and they will not like it and they will reject it. I think that's what happened with the TV movie, back with Paul McGann. This show has to keep British and I think Disney's very aware of that. Like I said, even at that press event, they kept talking about it being a British show, British institution. Shooty said that a lot in the press. So I think they're very aware of that. But I think That's a cra- selling point. Yes. If nothing else, it's a selling point. That's what I'm thinking. Because British television is very different to American television. And I think that they want to have that variety and that they can sort of showcase, look at us, we've got so many different types of shows and different directors and writers that have very different takes on things. But a creative vision could just mean that when Bad Wolf or Russell, whoever is making the calls, it might just literally mean that Disney just gets a listen and they might be able to say at the most, oh, maybe, what do you think of this idea? But it's fully going to be in control of Russell and Bad Wolf for them to either go, okay, we might incorporate that, or no. Well, in some ways, Charlotte, in some ways, Disney and Doctor Who seem like natural bedfellows, the the family appeal of the show, right from, as it was conceived, right from 63, and what was always traditionally, you know, not, not, uh, again, not drawing on controversial recent times, what was traditionally the appeal, the remit of Disney. I mean, Kyle, I look at a show like Star Wars Andor, <laughs> and to me, that looks so British. It, the, there's so many British actors on it, for, exa- <laughs> for example. The bulk of it was filmed in Great Britain as well, and it has that kind of slightly dour tone to it. I like the fact that they're innovating with Star Wars, whether one could argue how successful each in- innovation has been. But they're not being lazy with Star Wars. And potentially, whilst I have no doubt that the bulk of the creative drive of this will come from Russell and come from Bad Wolf, they're the ones, they're the ones, it's cost them the money and Sony, Sony are in the equation, Sony are in it up to their, up to their necks over at Bad Wolf, they practically own Bad Wolf. So I, I view Disney as the ones who are the, who are going to be owning the least in this and having the least say by some way. But do well, you think that could change in time? I think that's going to change in time. Because Sony are the just worldwide... as big as Disney, though, aren't they? Not uh, globally. Uh, God, Disney's. Here, here's the thing: when you are not, when you become the worldwide distributor of something, you're going to get a seat at the table. There, yeah. there, there's, 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 there's oh, no, God, there's yeah. no, there, there's no. Oh, well, we're going to distribute that, but you're going to have full say in what. Because what, Sony uh, don't have a streaming platform, do they? Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, Sony, 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 Sony is not. The company they once were i mean let's be let's be honest if if that venom movie from a few years back doesn't succeed spider-man rights probably are back in fully in disney's hands that's that that's okay. that's a whole other thing but the aspect of it is here is there's a couple of there's a couple of floating pieces still around hbo max still has all the prior seasons to doctor who of the modern era and that's still the case. Sony, all Disney's getting right now is new episodes going forward starting in 2023. So what, what happens to that piece when the HBO Max contract expires? What happens to these classic 
Doctor Who episodes that are just kind of floating around everywhere on different streaming services. Hell, Pluto TV has a whole channel that's nothing but classic Doctor Who. So if somehow over the next few years we see Disney just kind of conglomerate everything there as far as distribution rights, it's only a matter of time before they have some kind of full ownership stake in Doctor Who. But again, I think this all floats to you have BBC here, you have Disney here, and you have Russell T. Davies and Battle sitting right there as the sun that they're all orbiting because he is in control. He is in control of the property as far as the directions, the stories, and things like that that are happening. And he's going to, I think, I think it's Russell T. Davies' goal is to one make Doctor Who worldwide again. He wants to get that bridge connection that, at the height of it during the Matt Smith run between the U.S. and the and, and but Doctor Who, and two, I, I again I think I think whether it's working in con- with Disney, working with Sony, with somebody, I can I can foresee in a five year period where the BBC no longer owns Doctor Who because of the BBC's own issues right now, how the television landscape in or Europe they country become is changing, the sleeping, or they become the sleeping partners. Yeah, yeah, they they become the background. The the BBC is just 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 an, another icon on there to represent the iconicness of BBC and Doctor Who, but the mouse is in control. I'm, so I'm just going to give the listener a couple of moments just for because they will be reading from that bit. You, you'd be all right. You're, you're right with us here at Type Forty. We'll give you a couple of seconds to to get over that. So generally speaking, Chris, how, how do you feel about the news? Positive, negative, or somewhere in between? It's a very good question. I will say, to preface my answer, I will say I agree with everything that everyone is saying about what's happening, the current state of who controls uh, the levers of power in Doctor Who. I fully agree with Kyle that this is that this is the end game. That Disney will one day own all of Doctor Who, and he will see that I, I, I 100% agree with him. Once you see the status. Um, um, the condition of the migration of the other episodes of Doctor Who. If you start to see uh, the McGann film, the more recent uh, new series episodes on Disney Plus and the classic series, absolutely. If you see that happen, then there's no doubt. Um, or at least the wheels are, well, the wheels are already turning. But in terms of how I feel, well... Yeah, this is a fan. It's, a, it's the opposite, I suppose, I feel of how, um, of my feelings of uh, watching Power of the Doctor. Uh, there's, it's not ambivalence, it's a hollow feeling, and it's, that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's negative, it just means very much um, tipping point, I suppose. Uh, do, you think fans, do you think fans are punch drunk from change after change after change, we just want a bit of stability and consistency of product? Fandom itself is so fractured and divisive right now that it, it is a perfect storm of that that's an answer that's an answer that will be different for almost any individual you will have some fans that want change every moment you will have some fans that want um permanent stability you will have some fans that are open to anything you will have some fans that, that will leave the show and and will come back i guarantee you one thing that this is certainly a tipping point time of change there are a lot of people and it might and this includes myself to a certain extent that have seen what disney has done two properties like Star Wars, I personally felt that the sequels should never have been made. And I'm grateful for things that are being made out, uh, that are being produced out of Disney Plus 
in on the Star Wars front to a certain extent. I enjoyed The Mandalorian. I wasn't terribly fond of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wasn't terribly fond of the book of Boba Fett. My, if there is any concern that I have when it comes to Doctor Who being made by the Disney is that it will be hit and miss, very likely. If the model remains the same, if it's in the same time frame that the people that are currently at Disney Plus, let's put it in a scenario like this. We say Disney Plus ultimately were to take charge of Doctor Who right now. I would have terrible concerns because I'm not terribly um, um, secure in my thoughts that they can produce a consistent and quality product in every in every corner. Uh, Andor seems to be interesting. I haven't seen it, but you also think of their major product in in the in the MCU, and I am definitely of the opinion that the quality of the MCU. Uh, I'll put it this way: I liken the the MCU to Doctor Who in terms of at its fiftieth anniversary, a whole layer of fans i think to a certain extent left doctor who not because they were casual because the story was over gallifrey was back you had the 50th anniversary there was a regeneration and such the storyline ended endgame was the ending of a storyline for the mcu since then it uh the quality of the products are in at the least flux but i think that they are in somewhat in a decline now there is a difficulty in a major franchise like a major conglomerate like disney plus taking over a 60-year-old franchise, which is that for any fandom that exists, it is already, you could argue, something like Doctor Who, in a decline. Is it a terminal decline? At the beginning of the Jodie Whittaker era, era, I said yes, because there was no end in sight, and it was, in, in, and the quality of the episodes were very terrible. Um, on the flip side, because Russell T. Davies is he, well, I, I will hesitate here too. There will be one thing I will say about this. I have learned through sad experience of hearing on the Hollywood side of things over here, remember I'm from Los Angeles, and in, in, on the American side of things, that when you say a property will be good because it has a name attached, I'm thinking of J.J. Abrams, and his, his shepherding of the Star Trek franchise in the films and the Star Wars franchise, when you hear someone say, it is such and such a person running it, therefore it must be good you're trying, turning, starting to edge into the sense of a cult of personality, and therefore it's infallible, and therefore it must be perfect. I, hesit, I will simply say this as a caution to fandom. Have a healthy dose of skepticism. Hold, hold these people to the fire and make sure they give you a wonderful product, because if you just simply fall into the cult of personality of Russell T. Davies, which was happening, lest we forget, 15 years ago, people forget that even at the end of the Russell T. Davies era, there was a growing sense of, this is a big word, hagiography, which is self-love, self-promotion. Um, the episode, there was a background sense. It wasn't in the foreground too much, but there was a background sense. If you watch Dr. Confidential, increasing sense of, oh, we are so wonderful, we have done such great things. And I felt that, this, that even Russell T. Davies' tail end suffered for it. I do not feel the 2009 special were terribly good. And I don't think that the end of time was very good. It was hype. It was a hype carrying even the end of the tenant years. So I will give that caution to fandom. We've learned through that experience. If you ride on hype alone, Jodie Whittaker will be wonderful. Chris Chibnall will be wonderful just because they will be wonderful. It's like, I will give you an example, Doctor, just a very quick well, example. Well, you're saying it could be could necessarily be the same with, with Disney too. Yes, absolutely. Um, it could become empty. It's, it, the example I have in Doctor is simply from Enlightenment with uh, the White Guardian. There's no story behind it. When the when the, doc, the fifth doctor says to Tegan, watch for the white guardian signal. 
And the doc and Tegan says, "Well, what's the White Guardian?" The doctor's answer is, "Watch for the signal." There is no answer. There was it was it was there's no there's no there's no substance behind those characters. That's my concern here, and that would be the way forward. I would absolutely say is hold your franchise to the fire, the fire of fandom honesty, and say we want good stories. We don't want personalities only running this show because when you reach that point, and if you just go trust in the uh, trust in only the name. Russell T. Davies or Disney or whatever, and you let it ride, without that sense of fandom creative control. If you let, if you exclude fandom from the table, which was done from almost day one of the Jodie Whittaker, Chris Chibnall debacle, you have a catastrophe that takes years to clean up. If you ridicule your fandom, if you revile your fandom, if you exclude your fandom, if you and I think that there is still a danger of this. If you tell your fandom from the beginning, certain parts of your fandom, you are not welcome, then the series deserves to die. Now, I am sorry to say in such terms, but I am venting a little bit over the last five years we've heard that. Doctor Who's Jodie Whittaker era deserved to die on arrival and deserves to be an autopsy on departure. I do not want this to be the case for the Disney Plus era. The pieces are in place still that it could be. That's out of my that is out of my um, control, and I will let things lie there. I will just simply reiterate this point: do not show hatred for your fans. They buy the creators their your children's shoes. They give you a job. Remember what Peter Capaldi said when he when he was announced as the twelfth Doctor. It moved me almost to tears when he said it now nearly 10 years ago. Doctor Who is worthy because Doctor Who belongs to all of us. All of us made Doctor Who. It does not belong to Russell T. Davis. It does not belong in the even in the legal sense, whatever, but does not belong spiritually to Disney Plus. It does not belong to the BBC. It does not belong to the to the showrunner who will come and go long after we forget them even the names. It belongs to the fandom. If you lose sight of this, your series deserves to die. I I do agree with the bulk of that, certainly. Uh, back up to date with the power of the Doctor. It's uh, We have to do this. It's a Doctor Who podcast. We have to acknowledge the fact that the ratings were in for the Power of the Doctor special there. They aired on Sunday, October the 23rd on BBC One. That's where it premiered, of course. And then it's the first one that didn't get simulcast. The first and the last, it sounds like simulcasting could be a thing of the past with Disney Plus going forward. So yes, overnight figure for this episode of Doctor Who was up on that uh, cataclysmic figure that Legend of the Sea Devils had, that 2.2 million on the overnights. It was up to 3.7 million there for the power of the Doctor for, for the bulk of the episode, but that did peak in that final three minutes where they got, got a big bump there of, of uh, yes, yeah, it's a reasonable bump. Just over 4.4 million were there to watch it at its peak for those closing couple of minutes to see David Tennant appear as the 14th Doctor. And the entire episode achieved that audience appreciation index figure of 82, which is, again, up on pretty much all of Flux, I think, and, and up there with some of the higher ones of the Whitaker era. But whether that would have <laughs> would be the case if it hadn't have ended with David Tennant stood there at the edge of that cliff. I think it's highly, highly unlikely. As for as for us, I was wondering what you guys what you guys made of it all. Where would you rate the the power 
of the Doctor. How many incarnations out of five would you give this one, Kyle? I'm going to give this one a three out of five. I think there were some solid ideas in there that didn't get executed well, and I think that a lot of the bringing back the classic char characters and some of the moments we had really did, were, were good moments, and obviously it being the end of the Jody year gives it a bump up on its own so i mean it, it's definitely not the worst episode it, it has it's sasha darwin is also amazing in this so i think i think a solid three out of five is a it, regenerations out of five is a good way to go for this one three out of five how about you charlotte how many out of five do you score the power of the doctor after all that it's, stuff and nonsense noise yeah. and calamity there was good bits of, in isolation if i were to just take certain scenes out i could happily watch them again they were mm. good writing in bits there was good acting in bits, but that's my issue. Everything was in bits that I liked. It wasn't a, a, a running through experience watching it because, as we've talked about, it was so everywhere. It was so messy. It was so just things happened because Chris needed them to, like characters popping up and Sasha, though he was a massive highlight. So I'll put it 2.5 because I can't quite go to 3 because of the overall script issues. <laughs> Very generous. How about you, Chris? Where do you score this one? How many incarnations out of 5 do you give the power of the Doctor there, that final Jodie Whittaker episode? Um, and I wish that I could be generous and put it in the middle ground, like as the others have, and for good reason. So I'm glad that they can be the more positive views on this. I want to give it a number, like a... An, I want to give it a number. But for me... I will give it a one. It's better than the abomination, frankly, of something like Legend of the Sea Devils or Orphan 55 or maybe even Arachnids in the UK. It exists and it's something. Um, but it, it's, <laughs> it's empty and it's dead for me. And that's why I, I, I even want to say almost a zero just because this episode was very for me very well fun. done you made it to the screen <laughs> it's yeah, like a, the screen. I'm just gonna, I'm just participation price yeah if it, if i if i were to be a jerk about it i would say it is well can you give me a negative number but no i i, I don't want to blast this era so mercilessly or so unkindly but i but i cannot give it anything more than it exists what was what is the sa the saving grace about this episode uh, is uh, sophie alder's ace because she was fantastic in this. And I really wish that we can get to see her in her own, leading her own series. <laughs> I'm going to give this one. You know, I've, I'm going to be generous this time. I haven't been of late and with good reason, but I'm going to give the power of the Doctor. I'm going to give this two out of five. And I've got to be honest, uh, one of those is for reminding me how much I love Boney M. But <laughs> yeah, it's a two out of five from me, but that's very much a charity score because I do want to let bygones be bygones with, with Chris Chibnall and with and certainly with uh, with Jodie Whittaker as as they all disappear off into the into the sunset there. And as Doctor Who itself moves on, I, I really don't oh, want to harp good. on it anymore. I did at least enjoy this one in some part and i do get the feeling that at some even if they weren't if, if it wasn't audible that fault was being admitted albeit far too little far too late the power of the doctor is up on the iplayer the bbc iplayer to to relive over and over again yes you too can find out yet more things that were wrong with the power of the doctor at your leisure on on the iplayer that is the old girl starting up and calling time 
on another edition of Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast. I'll be back with another one soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on the dedicated home feed for Type 40. That's over at type40.podbean.com. Or maybe we, we rolled up on the podcatcher of your choice. We're scattered across them all. So I'm talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbay, all of those places where you get your podcasts, where you can find us at Podbean. That's on the on the Podbean app. Of course, we're still on the fabulous fun, fandom podcast network's own master feed with all those other shows. Some of them aren't even hosted by Kyle. So, some of those <laughs> other shows that are coming at you there, never mind on the weekly, it's coming at you on the daily. Please consider a trip sideways in time to the fandom podcast network. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we're, we're out there on social media. Maybe you disagree with us drastically. Maybe you've got a lot to say about the power of the Doctor. What do you think we've missed about that episode? Or maybe we're, we're bang on the mark. What do you think about the Disney Plus story? Let us know. Get in touch through our social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Type40DoctorWho. Or you can email us, Type40DoctorWho, at gmail.com. And if you're feeling really, really brave, head over to the, uh, the Type40 Facebook group over on Facebook, and there you'll find regenerations upon regenerations worth of Doctor Who fans who were, who were talking about classic Doctor Who. And maybe they're, they're giving their autopsy on new Doctor Who and certainly looking forward to all new Doctor Who with David Tennant, Shooty while Russell T. Davies, and, and Disney Plus, maybe. So much to talk about. It's all going on in the Type 40 Facebook group. Uh, Chris... Thank you for your company. Obviously, Black Glove, you've got plenty planned over there, haven't you? Particularly for the anniversary year. So uh, where can people get the first word on everything that's coming out of Black Glove Studio? The handle is at Studio Glove with a capital S and a capital G. We released uh, the final game. We're in the process of re-releasing a story called The Misshapen Planet with the Hartnell Doctor and the Butterworth Monk. Our mouths are witty. So they can find you over on Twitter for all of that. And the productions, when they do drop, they go onto SoundCloud, don't they? That's right. Yes. Have you got a YouTube channel for that as well? Um, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Studio Severn. Um, That's and, it. I thought there was one. Yes. And we, might, we may have a, a dedicated, well, build a new dedicated uh, Blacklist Studio channel on YouTube soon, too. Good stuff. Good stuff. And how about you, Charlotte? Where can people connect with you on, on social media and hear more of what you've got to say about all things Hooniverse? Well, you'll hear me on Type 40 Live on Thursdays and on the Type 40 Podcast. Carl, what's going on with you over at the Fandom Podcast Network across those other shows? And where, where can people get in touch with you on social media? Well, as far as what's going on with the Fandom Podcast Network, it's actually an interesting time. It's kind of a little bit of slowdown in content right now because a lot of things have come to an end. We recently hit the end of um, House of Dragon and Rings of Power. Marvel's kind of on a little break with just Black Panther wrapping up here for there and the guardians of the galaxy christmas special so true believers is going to be a little bit quiet but we got some things in the works with our some of our flashback and um vintage shows such as time time warp and couch potato theater you can find those of course all on the uh master audio feed for the fandom podcast network at fpnet.podbean.com follow me on twitter at a kyle w or on instagram at a kyle fandom or you can also follow the fandom podcast network on twitter at fan pod network and obviously, as always, that will all be in the show notes of the podcast and the description to the video track too. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter as the Spacebook, where I'm 
wheezing and groaning and, and ranting and raving about all things geeky inside and outside of the TARDIS, whatever catches my eye, my imagination, or both it, I'm, I'm going on about that. And this is a very exciting time to be a, a Doctor Who fan in general, I think. It's a long wait until the next actual episode of Doctor Who yet again. But I know there's going to be much to enjoy between now and then, so a little bird says. But that's it for this time. Thank you guys for joining me for this one, for the very last review of the final episode of the Jodie Whittaker era of Doctor Who. God, it feels so good to say that. And thanks to you for listening. We always have the time if you have the space here at Type 40. But that's it for this time. And for that era, we'll speak to you all again soon. Bye bye. 